Welcome to Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast. I am Julian Gudelai and this is Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast, where you get to hear the stories and insights from entrepreneurs, social change makers, and artists displaying how each and everyone's uniqueness makes this planet worth living on. For more, check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com. And today with me, I'm really excited, is Soul Attunement Coach Lisa Berkowitz. And Lisa, welcome, welcome to the show. Hi, Julian. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Wonderful. It's fantastic to have you. Lisa, um, I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself for for a minute or two here. Um, Tell us about you and and Soul Attunement Coaching. Glad to. Yeah, I have a, I have a particular passion for world changers to fulfill the actual reason that they're on the planet. And I like to think about that in terms of every one of us has a blueprint that we came in to fulfill. We're on the planet to fulfill this specific soul's blueprint. It lives inside each of us. It's immediately accessible at all times to tell us exactly what to do and what we're creating, what form to take, what practical next steps might be right in front of us. So um, I, that's that tends to be how I how I think about it, that when we're really aligned with what we're here for, things can flow more easily and we can uh, we can have a lot more ease and fun and abundance as a byproduct. Wonderful, beautiful, um, fantastic. Let's kick it off with this, Lisa. How how do you get into the zone um, every day? How do you enter your own place of, of flow and and productivity? Yeah, great question. I love kind of I love to ask that too because I'm always curious how people start their day. But for me, what really works best is uh, to start with meditation, and um, I do a combination of and even before I I, I I don't interact with anybody. I don't look at um, any email or anything. It's the first thing I do, even before out of bed, just uh, at least 15 minutes, just being quiet and. Um, and I do have a soul attunement practice, which is a really tune into my own soul's frequency, what it feels like when it feels, when I, I feel most like myself, I consider that to be the, the energy that I want to live in. I want my day to flow from, uh, that's the energy I want to share with others. So I start my day. That is the first and most important thing I do. And, and from there, uh, some warm water with lemon, um, I'll often journal a bit, um, or read something inspiring or, uh, depending on, on the weather, I might go outside and stand on the grass and just, uh, either do something physical to ground myself or I'll, I'll include that as part of my meditation to ground myself. I live in, in, uh, in a cold enough climate sometimes in the winter that I can't do it physically, but when it's nice out, I like to, to ground through my feet. So those are like sort of the, a few of my key practices that I start with every day. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely like having 15 minutes in the morning just to myself to, to arrive. I, I, I love to incorporate that into my own day as well. Um, Lisa, what are you working towards with, with, with solo human coaching and, and being a transformational coach? What are you really bringing into the world with that? I, I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah. Well, for me, really, it's about a new global economy um, and and one that represents what I refer to as heaven on earth. Um, I think we're all here to contribute something unique. And when we do that, we're we're literally designing a new world. 
Um, we're bringing in new ways of, of being and doing, new ways of, of doing business, new ways of uh, interacting with each other and, 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 and sharing our gifts. And so that's really ultimately the biggest picture for where I'm heading with it because every single person that I help to, to be aligned with their soul's blueprint and actually create their life's work from that place, then uh, I'm contributing to that global economy, that heaven on earth, global economy or love economy. Sometimes I call it, um, that for me is, is the way we're naturally designed to do what we love and thrive in the process. So, uh, everything I can do to contribute to having people be their part, contribute their part. That's what it's all about for me. A new global economy. So where everyone contributes who they truly are. Who, who they truly are, what their unique gifts are, what brings them alive, and um, that no one else could bring with them. I got it. Cool. That's that's a world worth living in 100%. Yeah, I, uh, that, that feels joyful to me over here. <laughs> well, let's do this. Um, did you explain, did you plan on experiencing this, Lisa? Or did, did you, like, how did you arrive in this place, this Yeah, I would even call it a state of consciousness, like being aware that every human being could live up to their potential. Did you plan on being there today in your life or how did your journey get you to this place? Yeah, I, de I didn't plan it um, consciously. <laughs> um, it, I got there because I never, I never fit. I went, I loved school. Um, and I tried to take, I, I love to study because I love to learn. I loved school, but there was no one track that was right for me. And I thought I was going to be a doctor. Then I thought I was going to be a lawyer, ended up going to business school and ended up in the corporate world. And I didn't fit in any of the tracks there either. I wasn't an accounting person, a finance person, a marketing person per se. So none of the tracks really were um, that alive, but I did love to travel. So I made sure I kept lots of doors open. I studied international policy and I ended up working for global corporations. And um, there came a point where I was kind of on my own personal growth and spiritual growth journey. And my job started kind of getting in the way of what I wanted to learn and study and, 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 and immerse myself in. And I ended up going on a retreat as part of that, a self-mastery retreat. And while I was there, I had this vision to, that I, to travel the world, to leave my job, travel the world and contribute to human potential. But I didn't know what that meant at the time. So I quit my job. Um, being very naive and thinking this would all take no time at all <laughs> to switch tracks. And, um, and I ended up having this burning question when I left my job. I mean, I great, made great money. I had great jobs, but, um, I wasn't necessarily doing, you know, my passion every day. It was, it was good, but it wasn't my passion. And so when I left, I was like, okay, well now I'm going to do everything I want to do as my passion, but how do I get paid to do that? And that was my burning question. And because that was my burning question, 
that, you know, we teach what we most need to learn as the saying goes. Um, so I ended up doing certification in NLP, neuro linguistic programming and my coaching certification. And it evolved, um, over, over years it evolved. First I freelanced to corporate, um, but eventually I got into executive coaching and, uh, and then entrepreneur coaching. So entrepreneurs who knew they were here to change the world and, and, wanted support in being the most aligned they could be in doing that with ease, with flow, with abundance. So it was an evolution and it was started with, uh, as, as it often does with my own need, my own need to answer the question, how do I get paid to do what I love? And I discovered through that burning question that it was really a spiritual thing for me, that my soul was here to do something. And in turn, um, others souls were here to do something and contribute something. And that's organic how it evolved into, into understanding that there's something much, much bigger going on here. And with the consciousness shift on the planet, we are creating a new economy and we each contribute to it by being who we are. Wow. So where, where on the planet is, is, is your journey then, then taking place? Cause I know we're talking to you today, um, from London, England, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how this turned into a global journey for you. Yeah, well, I always had, I guess it was just always in my DNA that I was a traveler. I loved to travel. So when I was uh, nine years old, I moved with my family because of business. We, uh, we moved to, to, the, to England first, to the UK, uh, to the south of the UK, Plymouth to be exact, and then to Paris. So I had this like experience between nine and 12 that I was exposed to different cultures. I went to school in these places. Um, and it, it kind of stayed with me that I absolutely, I felt, I've always felt more like a citizen of the world than, than a citizen of a particular country. I always love to learn about different places and different cultures and different people and have real authentic experiences there. And it, and it continued. So when I went to university, I traveled every summer. When I started my jobs, it was always international corporations and, and travel was part of my work. And, uh, so it was always there, but then when I, when I left corporate and was kind of left to my own devices, it was like the number one thing I always wanted to be able to do. I designed my business to be, um, portable so I could do what I do from wherever I am. And, um, I serve my clients virtually, or sometimes they come and meet me in person. Now I lead retreats and, uh, I do in-person coaching days with clients. So I've, I've incorporated in-person work, but mostly I was driven by the ability to be global and, um, and that feeds my soul. The reason is because it feed my, feeds my soul. And I, and I really believe that we do our best work when we're feeding our souls and, and, and in alignment with what feels best. So um, it's intrinsic to my business plan <laughs> that I be global. Yeah. And, um, and until last year... I was actually fully nomadic for three years. So I had no base. Um, I was born and raised in Canada, in Toronto, but um, I decided to let go of my home. And um, I start, it started with a little experiment. I did a 90-day experiment re renting my place on Airbnb. And when I got back from that, I, I was just clear that, no, I'm actually leaving. So I let go of my place and, and I just spent three years traveling and, and following the flow where I was pulled. And, um, it was extraordinary an amazing way to cultivate my mastery around trusting the flow and just surrendering to what 
where I was supposed to be next and what would show up. And so it's been intrinsic to my whole journey to be global. Powerful. Um, so being a, a global citizen and intrinsic to your journey to be on, on all of the world, uh, let, let's see what you answer to this question. Um, a little bit, a little bit in, a, in a different um, tone, maybe. If you tomorrow had a billion dollars, Lisa, would you would you invest it into space exploration or cleaning up planet Earth? Oh, that's easy. It would clean up planet Earth, hundred percent. I don't want to leave here. I don't have any interest in leaving here. Uh, yeah, it would be cool to go to the moon, but I would really much rather see our planet clean. Got it. Okay. I, I, I get that. I, yeah, I always find it super interesting when people answer because those are both obviously interesting options. But, um, well, <laughs> let, let's do a couple of like very short questions like that. Um, yeah. Ocean water or lake water? Ocean. <laughs> I love, uh, I love salt water. And especially when it's warm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, do, do you meditate? Yes, daily. I knew the answer to this one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, universal basic income, yes or no? Yes. Um, cannabis or alcohol? Cannabis. Cool. I get that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I find those questions interesting for people to, to, to ponder without even a, any pre-thought because there, there are a lot of opinions that we actually have formed in our minds that we, we're not as clear as, as when you share them within a second. You actually um, yeah. get to share so much about yourself. Uh, how did you grow up, Lisa, and how did that influence where you are today? How, how did that really... We, we talked about your past already a little bit, but I'd love to see how, like... Your, your parents' choice of Canada and then moving to the UK, how that really impacted your life? Yeah. Well, we're all shaped by early, early experiences, right? My parents actually split when I was four and I lived with my mom and so she remarried. So it was with my mom and her, she wasn't married then yet, but her partner at the time um, who became my stepfather. So I had this really interesting um you know, interest. I was an only child. I am an only child still. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I had this really interesting start. Like, um, my parents were never the kind of parents who told me what to do or, or, you know, they didn't have a lot of preconceived notions about what I was supposed to be. So I was given a lot of freedom, first of all, to be my, to just to like, to be, um, whatever I was, to find my own path to, um, so there was, there was a lot of, there wasn't a lot of formal, formal family structure or formal ways of being and doing in my family. Both my parents are super freedom oriented and freedom loving. And so I think, you know, the combination of being an only child, being exposed to the world very early um, having, having parents who didn't put a lot of controls on me and what I was supposed to be, who were freedom loving themselves. Um, you know, I, that, those were major shapers 
of, of who I became, uh, who I've become. Um, I've definitely found my own path. Both my parents have their own worldviews that are not necessarily the same as mine. But they left me free to discover my own way for myself. And and that's been instrumental. You know, that's been instrumental because I, I didn't think like a lot of the people around me. Um, now I've found a lot more like-minded people. But it was... Um, was it was quite isolating for a while to kind of have a particular worldview and not a lot of people around me who saw things the way that I did. So, um, yeah, so I've had to be very independent, very, um, inwardly. And I was always an introvert. So I think all those things have shaped me to be who I am and to take a very unique path um, both of my parents were very, very supportive of, 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 especially my mom would say, you know, don't do what others are doing just because others are doing it. So uniqueness is something that's been fundamental to your journey. It's almost, it, is it almost like the logical next step that you help people to spread their uniqueness? Totally. It, I mean, it certainly, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I don't think there's any coincidences in any life, right? I, every single experience and influence is for a reason. And, and that's absolutely true. It's like, I've had to, to come to understanding of my uniqueness and the value of that. And that's very much what I help others come into for themselves really understanding the power and the value of the unique thing that they, they bring and, and the unique being that they are. So yes, I think that's a, exactly right. Beautiful. I, re I, re I really, I really enjoy hearing that it, it's, there's so much um, <laughs> richness in, in, in understanding deeper where somebody comes from and how that influences us to be who we are. You're obviously also a very busy person. So how do you prioritize um, family and friends and, and, and how, how do you make space for that? Um, it's intrinsic. Like if I don't have it, things don't go well. <laughs> I have to, um, I need a lot of space and I need a lot of variety to function at my best. So family, friends, um, change, even changing up through the, through an individual day, you know, locations in the day. Like I can't sit in one place. I've, I've got to change, change it up. So, um, I get, start getting grumpy if I don't make sure I have time for family or friends or yoga or, you know, the, 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 the interpersonal stuff and the alone time, both are important. Um, I just notice it's, it's an energy thing. My energy goes down if I, if I don't make time for that Wow! and don't build it in. I love your, um, honest, honesty and authenticity in that it's something we, we often don't admit is that when our energy goes down or when our emotions are, are showing up in a negative way, that it's a great indicator. And I'm, I'm just learning that myself over the last years, how to listen to that. So that's like a sign for you on which you act or, or yeah. Yeah. Big sign. It's a big sign because for me, you know, again, back to sort of soul attunement, um, 
it's a basic practice that, that I have and that I, that I share, I teach that, you know, what feels light and alive is in harmony with the soul. And if something feels heavy, then it's either not aligned or the way that you're thinking about it is not aligned. So it could be that just your perspective has to shift and it'll all of a sudden feel different or the, the thing itself or the person or the situation or the job or whatever it is, isn't, isn't a match. So, so I would say, you know, my number one practice is a, really being in tune with whether something feels right and good in the soul. Is it nourishing the soul? Is it in harmony with the soul? Is it supporting the soul's expression and enjoyment? I want to go back to being barefoot on that as well, because you mentioned earlier that when you can, you ground through your feet on 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 the planet. Basically, how does how does that um, come to play? Yeah, I discovered that you know, especially because I was I have a really strong mind. So one of the things in my journey has been to drop from my head to my heart, or to shift from left brain thinking to more creative, soul centered thinking. So a lot of different ways to say that, but um, because I was so cerebral, so much of my life. And that was what was guiding things. I learned that the more I'm in my body, the more I can access my soul's wisdom. And I don't remember where I, where I learned it, but grounding is a critical tool every day. And there's lots of ways to ground, but I love to be in nature. And I learned that when I'm in my bare feet, it's a fantastic way to ground and let energy that, you know, could be built up around a little too much in the head or whatever just feels good. And there's all kinds of research that says, you know, it balances all kind of kinds of body systems and it balances your energy as well as your physical being. So, um, yeah, I just absolutely love to be on the grass or on the sand in my bare feet. Yeah, I absolutely resonate in myself. I, barefoot is one of the most beautiful feelings um, to, to experience. And is that something that you, you, you said you, you have this cerebral, more logical side, um, which I also relate to. I, I grew up in Central Europe, so th there's a lot of very like um, intellectual ways of being. And how, did you have a lot of outside playtime when you grew up, or is that something that over the years you realize being outside living on the planet living with the planet is it's just a part of being a global citizen um it's a great question i was outside a lot as a kid i was a, a lot outside um i can i can actually even say um I don't think I've acknowledged enough that my family was outside a lot too. We would go out to the country. We would, you know, so I, I was out, we didn't camp, but we, we, we were outside a lot and I've always loved it. And, um, so yeah, it's, um, it's always kind of always been there and, and it's part of being a global citizen too. But, you know, I just, I just marvel. I mean, nature, I love nature. I just love nature, but I even love cities. Like I, you know, I, I just, I guess I find delight in 
being on in, in a body on this planet. <laughs> so kind of well, all well, comes together. There's always a park in a city to put your feet in the, in the ground as well. I, I, True. I absolutely understand. Cities do not negate nature, though. I, I mean, that's another conversation no. to have, right? Is uh, yeah. the promise of the city. I mean, I hear you saying... I hear you saying that every human being is here to express their uniqueness and their gift. So what would a city look like with 8 million people where everyone does that? Well, look pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> I would love to see that. Well, you're I in London. How many people live in London? Oh, I, yeah, at least 8 or 10, eight or ten million. Right, so here we go. That, that's the, yeah. the, the mission for the, for the rest of this day for sure and I hope that's yeah. uh, that's something that resonates with people listening because we, we make up cities we, we, we are the ones who, who create cities together so. correct yeah well n- n- now you, you got me to, to share a little bit um, I want to hear more about you though Lisa tell, tell me about these I feel there are buzzwords in our society and I want to I want to hear how that lands for you body okay. mind and spirit how do you We've already talked that you meditated, but how do you resonate with body, mind, and spirit, the culture that's currently happening across the world, and, and how does it relate to you on your personal practice? Yeah, cool question. So the first thing that comes to my mind is lots of different ways we could, you know, sort of different angles to look at body, mind, and spirit from. But the first one that pops in my head is, you know, what I love about that, the fact that it's become a buzzword is that it really signals that we're seeing ourselves as holistic beings more than ever. So I really like that. Um, and for me personally, you know, I know I have to nourish all those levels And if I leave one out, um, again, you know, cranky, uh, contracted, like some, something doesn't feel quite right in my system because, you know, so physical, obviously physical needs to be nurtured mental. I love to learn. So intellectual needs to be nurtured and, and, and emotional needs to be nurtured and spirit needs to be nurtured in my view. So, um, and they're all completely interconnected. So you could look at any one of those And if there was an imbalance in one, you could actually trace back into the rest of the system where it's coming from. So um, I do my best to listen. You know, if there's a little, if there's a, you know, something that feels um, off in my body, what's it telling me? You know, it's not just a physical thing and, and pop a pill. Like, no, it's actually like that part of my body is correlated to something else that maybe I need to be aware of. Maybe there's some emotion that's wanting to get my attention. Maybe, uh, maybe there's something in my spirit that wants to be expressed and isn't, isn't out yet. It, it depends on what it is, but, um, I really, I definitely resonate with this notion of we are multidimensional beings and, and looking at all those levels is important and they're all interconnected. And if you look at any one level, you can tell something about every other level. Mm-hmm. Which relates again to everyone's uniqueness, right? Because if we are unique, then who truly can experience us fully, but ourselves? Nobody, nobody knows what's true for us, but us. Right. So that means body, mind, and spirit are not just some form of like a global movement that are happening right now, but also it relates to your own practice. You 
you'd say yes. You said you, you'd, you'd get grumpy or something shows up that shows you you want to be more present for this part of your life. But how does it look? Like, do you, what, what are your practices? What's what's your routines around body, mind, and spirit? Because I think that's something we can all learn from each other a lot more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, certainly my morning practice, which you asked about, like that feeds all all of me when I just go to my spirit first, all the other levels of me are affected. So my morning meditation will, will feed my mind's need for peace. So it's just like a quiet space. My mind can rest. My body can relax. Like in that space of, in that meditative space of peace, the way that I see it is that all the systems of the body can, can actually activate their self-healing mechanisms or their self-correcting mechanisms. So that morning practice, that simple, simple morning practice actually helps my body relax and repair. It helps my mind rest and my creativity then opens up because my mind isn't over, overly busy. Um, it helps my, it helps I feel better about myself that I've done it. It helps my emotional system. Um, but other major ways, so that kind of morning practice, but other major ways are yoga. Yoga has been a staple in my life for more than 15 years. Same thing. I'm feeding my body with, you know, with the, with the stretching, I particularly like hot yoga. So the heat and the stretching and the movement and the breath work, all of that feeds my body. But it also, again, it calms my mind, feeds my spirit. I feel I'm much more connected at the end of a class than I am at the beginning. So that practice has been essential for me. Um, same with dance. I danced for years, five times a week. Um, I haven't been dancing a lot lately, but you know, dance brings a lot of joy again, you know, movement to the movement, to the body, health, to the body, oxygen, to the body, nourishment to the soul. So, you know, I've got these, these practices, there's lots of practices, even, even things like, um, you know, taking a hot bath or doing dry brushing on the body, you know, the, the, all these things interconnect every time I care for any one level of the body with these, these are my, some of my core practices. Every time I care for myself with one of these core practices, it affects all those levels. Even if it looks like it's a more physical thing or it looks like a more, you know, more physical thing with a yoga class or a dance class, or it looks like a more, um, my mental thing, like a meditation, um, it's affecting everything. It's affecting all the levels at the same time. And I know that, and I'm intentional about that, that it's feeding me on all those levels. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Absolutely. And all these levels for me as well, they, they feed my soul literally, or they feed my, my existence and they don't go yep. without the other, right? If, you, if your right. body is healthy, your spirit will pick up on that. I don't think there's any wrong or right, though. I think it's really what's so interesting to me in, in, in listening to all these fabulous guests I have on my podcast is to really hear the uniqueness that is being practiced around the world. And then that goes back again to the soul's blueprint, right? Every soul really is unique. And what's true and right for you is not necessarily true or right for anyone else. That's why I don't actually think like even diets necessarily work. It's not it's not one size fits all on any of it. We each have to discover what's what feels best to us. Yeah. Absolutely. If you had an apprentice in your field, 
what would you tell them? What would be the, the three distilled lessons of wisdom you'd pass on to them? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, well, the first thing that pops in my mind, and this is actually what I tell all my clients, um, start with your daily practice. What is the practice that connects you to your soul? That is the, that is the, the first definite piece of wisdom. Um, and again, that practice is going to look slightly different for everybody. Um, the second one would be to follow what lights you up. Just follow what lights you up because where the energy is alive, that's your soul talking to you. And the third one would be that pops in to say is um, get comfortable with being still. And it's not the same as the first one. Well, so do you have to, I'd say, you know, have a daily practice that connects you with your soul. And there may be silence that, that is involved in that. But this third one is, um, I find that most people are, most people on the planet still today are in some way running from something that's uncomfortable inside themselves. And they can't have full access to their soul's truth if they can't be present. And so do what it takes to be fully present in the moment, no matter how uncomfortable, be able to be still, be able to be silent, even in the face of what's most uncomfortable. That would be my third. That's very powerful. Being able to be still is, uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll take your advice. Just, just in right now. <laughs> wow. Um, I'd love to know, where where you learn from or from who from who you learn at this point of your, your life and maybe we'll start that with what are you reading right now and what is a book that is just part of your recommendation list yeah awesome um i'm an avid learner and reader so i read a lot right now what's next to my bed is the book of mastery by paul selig um he wrote the book i am the word and that's a series so so the one that i'm on now is the fourth in the series but the first one is called I am the word. It's a channeled work. Um, and I'm really loving it because it's, it's, it is about aligning with the purity of your divine nature. Um, so that I, I, I've recommended it lots of times. I've sent it to clients. It's, it's, it's a great, that the whole series is great. Um, one that I started with early in my journey that pops in my head to mention is the conversations with God series by Neil Donald Walsh. Um, I feel like he really, he was, uh, he, that was, that was early on, but his teachings have stayed with me. He really pointed to a non-judgmental way to see what's going on, to see, see what is happening from a higher perspective, even when we don't prefer it. Um, so he was a great influence early on and I recommend that a lot. Um, who I'm learning from now though. So Paul Selig is a current one. Um, I've really enjoyed recently, um, uh, the surrender experiment and, um, that's by the same author as the untethered soul. Um, but the surrender experiment was an amazing one that really, really took to the extreme. What happens when you have no preferences in life and you just actually let everything be what it is and let life happen. Um, so that, that's a really neat read. Um, I love the work of Bentinho Massaro, spiritual teacher from uh, Holland. 
who lives in the States. Um, his work is great. I love to, I love to connect in with his stuff. Uh, another channel teachers too, like Matt Kahn is another one. Wisdom teacher, spirit teacher. Um, I haven't tapped into his stuff as much recently, but Bentinho, yes. Um, so those are the ones that pop in my, in my head as some of the current ones. I mean, I'm constantly learning, but those are the ones that pop in my, in my head. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What would you tell your own younger self? If you could share something with your younger self? Um, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> Just relax and have more fun. <laughs> relax and have more fun. I had a, you know, I had a, um, as I mentioned, such a strong mind and I was trying to figure it out earlier in my, earlier in my journey. And if I had just, um, I would have sued, you know, a sued, I would sue that younger me and just say, you're all right, you're safe. It's all going to work out. Okay. Just enjoy the journey, have more fun. Mm. If we had a 200-year vision for planet Earth, Lisa, how would yours look like? And with we, I mean humanity. If humanity had a 200-year vision for planet Earth. Yeah. So, great question, and it relates back to our talking about kind of where the economy is heading. So, I, I, you know, I see my 200-year vision is heaven on Earth. My 200-year vision is the consciousness has shifted where we we are each true to our divine nature and we're expressing that divine nature in form and we're doing what we love as our as our work we don't get confused anymore <laughs> that we have to do things we don't want to do to make money we um we we live in flow um our our institutions have been replaced um so our economy serves the people our politics, if there even is any, serves the people, truly serves the people. Um, we remember the truth of who we are. So we're in optimal health. We, we have systems and institutions that, that recognize the truth of who we are and that serve and support the truth of who we are. So, uh, our earth is clean. Um, our, you know, energy sources are clean. Um, And we are having, I like to think of it as a global party. That's a beautiful picture. A global <laughs> party that's happening on earth. Yep. That's powerful. You said politics will serve the people if there are any. There might not be politics in 200 years. Maybe there will be to the extent that it would be, you know, we agree that there are certain things that we want organized for us. Like, um, you know, right now, you know, roads get built by the government and, you know, stuff like that. So maybe there are things we want to organize, you know, collectively, we want to give that responsibility to a body of people that, you know, would actually serve us. So maybe there's some of that because it's efficient, but not because it's a mode of control. So I'm curious, that means collaboration and the forms of collaboration will maybe still exist, but we will find a way to self-organize that. You can envision that. Yeah, I can envision that we, we self-organize that. And the ones who are most suited to do that are the ones who are doing that. Right. 
the ones, the ones who have passion for that, the ones who want that to be their responsibility. And do you, I, I know we've talked about that before, um, behind, off, offline in a different conversation, uh, you and I, do, do, you, do you foresee the, the way people connect currently with the rise of the internet? And, and, and I mean, the internet is still in its infancy. Do you see, how do you see that playing a role in that? Um, technology? Did, is that the question? Sorry, tell, say the question again. Yeah, technology or, or specifically the ability to connect Because what you're saying is, is what I hear is those who will feel called most to it in their uniqueness and in their passion will tend to these collaborative um, activities. And I, I, I very much resonate with that. And at the same time, I'm asking myself, how will those that feel most called to it, how will they find each other? How will they be able to organize um, um, the actual work that's to do? Uh, 200 years from now, it might be telepathic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if you've read the Celestine prophecy, yeah, I you know, um, for those who haven't, there's reference in there to, you know, we really understand that we're energetic beings, that we are divine beings, that we are, um, always reading each other anyway. We just don't let ourselves, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're at this point in, in our evolution, not everyone allows that to be natural, sort of a, just a natural gift, but it is a natural gift. Um, so, you know, I could envision that 200 years from now where it's almost like wireless. Somebody said this and I, I don't know, I can't credit the source, but it stayed with me that, that someone kind of painted a picture of technology, like the way that everything has become, is becoming wireless and everything is becoming integrated in terms of our technology is really just a precursor for us to, to realize that we can do it directly. We don't actually need a device in the middle. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I'm, I'm uh, very open to see what the next two years uh, uh, have in, in store for us. I, I love going into people's vision because I feel that is a very important element to share on the collective level. So thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm.